nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. We actually got an email, Fletcher. Well, not actually. I'm saying it's just that amazing. You know what? I'm sorry. Can I interject, Ross? You and I both have a horrible habit of saying actually and interestingly. I've noticed I know. it when I listen to both of us. And I hear it now. Every time I listen to the podcast, I'm like, stop it. You know? <laughs> yeah, know. That's all. I was just getting impassioned. <laughs> well, given Kathy's impassioned nature, I'll start with a calm. <laughs> Me come forget it. whatever. Yeah, really. You're yeah, both, that works. You're Ross. both Greek. Come on, don't. <laughs> I know we can't. I know we lived in Hoboken years before it it had become gentrified. Everyone there was mostly Southern Italians, and people didn't believe that we were born and bred and born and raised in Hoboken because we were always walking down the street, basically screaming at each other. <laughs> we didn't think we were screaming. <laughs> voices and yeah. get excited <laughs> and we were actually excited to get an email um about facsimile uh someone oh. wrote in doug one of our listeners wrote in and kath you want to read the email i thought it was an interesting email well, I just want to first say thank you, Doug. Doug's an avid listener. He's written us many interesting things in the past. So mm -hmm. it's, it's always a joy to hear from Doug. Anyway, what he wrote was, we, as you recall, Fletcher, last time we were talking about facsimile, um, the word facsimile. And he wrote and said, regarding the meaning of facsimile as being an exact copy, I thought you were going to mention the phrase reasonable facsimile from once upon a time as an exception, which was a good point. It didn't even occur to us, but let me finish what he said. He said, let's say a magazine or a newspaper was advertising a prize draw back in the pre-internet days. We remember those. Those were the dinosaur days before the internet, but we both remember. I, I, yeah, I don't really remember them that well, but when I think about it, it's like, good Lord, <laughs> yeah, how did we do things? <laughs> anyway, let's say a magazine or newspaper was advertising a prize draw back in the pre-internet days. It might say something to the effect that you could clip the entry out and mail it in, or you could send, quote, reasonable hand-drawn facsimiles, which would be inexact but not photocopies, which would be identical. That was to limit the number of entries one person could send in and get an unfair advantage. They thought most people wouldn't want to go to the bother of making 1,000 reasonable hand-drawn facsimiles. Actually, side note, I know a few people who might have done that. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, so we forgot that. We had forgotten the whole concept of a reasonable facsimile. It's like it's it's lost in the dust of time. Although, is it interesting because I looked it up on Google Ngram, which is, we've said it at length, is it basically measures how many times a word appeared, what percent of times a word, word appeared in print. And the word, uh, the two words reasonable facsimile together skyrocketed in the 1940s. And it was fairly high throughout the 60s, 70s, 80s, and then it began to plummet. But it's now one quarter uh, what it was a long time ago, which I think makes sense because we don't really need to do reasonable facsimiles anymore. The other thing that sort of interested me was what did we define facsimile as? As an exact copy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
so a reasonable facsimile is a not exact, exact copy. That's right. Which is sort of interest. Well, it's reasonably inexact. <laughs> would you which, say? <laughs> which counters the facsimile part, right. which is supposed to be exact. But I think it makes sense, though, because, like, if I said make a copy, you don't know, like, how good the copy is supposed to be. If I said make an exact copy, that doesn't make any sense because like, you can't do an exact copy. So I think reasonable facsimile kind of works, even though in a way it's Ill illogical. I just have to throw in, I love this little last line of his email. I just have to give Doug a, 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 hat, a hat to appear for his joke. He said, back in the 80s and 90s, when I actually used fax machines, which is short for facsimile machine, as we all know, my cover page always said a reasonable facsimile of Doug at last name in big letters <laughs> near the job. And he said, I didn't care if nobody ever got the joke. I just love that. I, I think that's a I'm, I'm like, kudos to you, Doug. Really. you got you got a career in stand-up going for you. <laughs> the thing that got me when he talked about reasonable facsimile, I was saying to Ross right before we started here, it reminded me of, do you guys, you might not remember Fletcher because you're younger than we were. There used to be ads and they would say they're going to they're gonna sell genuine faux pearls. It was like genuine faux pearls, which is the, not really reasonable facsimile, but I just loved that um, phrase. Right. Actually, though, the, the idea, though, really matches with facsimile, with reasonable facsimile, because they're fake, but they're sort of genuinely looking <laughs> fakes. <laughs> And reasonable yeah. facsimile is it's not exact, but it's sort of exact. So I think in both <laughs> cases, they're nuanced. I, I yeah. think they work. <laughs> nu nuanced is, is a kind way to put that, Ross. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hi, Ross and Kathy. This is Nick from Surrey, British Columbia, Canada. Longtime fan of the podcast. I had a question for you two. Uh, would you be able to quickly go over the lie versus lay conundrum? I've always had a bit of a mental block between the two. And on that subject, do you think laying down as an I lay down will eventually become standard English? Hey, Nick, thanks for the question. Um, for people who want a longer discussion than we're about to give, we have covered this uh, actually strangely a couple of times, uh, which is not to say anything negative about you, Nick. We, we have, we've had 101 episodes before this one. Uh, but our, our July 19th episode of 2019, we talked about strong verbs. And then our May 28th episode of 2021, it was uh, related to one of the questions we got in a mailbag. So um, a couple of episodes if you want a deeper discussion than what we're about to give. But uh, you also you asked this in an interesting way. So Kathy and Ross, I'm going to let you go with this. It's funny. I mean, we're saying we had we had talked about it twice and it's, it's legitimate because this is something that constantly comes up. I think this is one of the more common like what's going on here questions. Don't you think, Ross? I mean, we always hear people asking about live versus lay. Definitely. And I think we can keep pounding it into people. And I think that leads right into Nick's latter part of the question. Are they eventually going to become uh, merged in terms of usage? And I think the answer there as quickly is yes. Absolutely. The, the distinction is losing. And interestingly enough, I mean, the distinction is going away. And interestingly enough, in Old English, they derive basically from the same root word, root word anyway. So in a way, you could argue that they're coming back home to Old English and coming back into standard usage of, of you know, guys in Anglo-Saxon times. Yes, it's the 14th century. They were, lay was used as, yeah. as lie, which is like yeah. it didn't start, no one really paid attention until the later 1700s. That said, I can't help it. And I, I mean, I don't know how you two feel about it, but I use lay and lie 
mostly correctly and I have used them correctly until very recently when as a joke I started saying I'm I'm laying down which is incorrect <laughs> and I'm saying it because I was playing off on the fact that we've talked about it so many times <laughs> live versus lay and now I'm doing it inadvertently <laughs> you're hyper uncorrecting Anyway. Okay, there are two different verbs. One is intransitive, that's to lie. It means it doesn't have an object, it doesn't do anything to anyone or anything else. Right, I lie it down. Just, correct. Very, very nice. You, you may lie down right now if you care to, Fletcher. To lay is transitive, so it does have an object. It's There is something or someone the verb does something to. You lay down your head. You lay something uh, on the sofa. I lay something down. I lie down. Correct. That's it. It's that's it's very simple. Yeah. To use lay, I have to have something to do it to. Let's do let's do a let's do a blueprint. Uh, let's do a pass pass participle. I had uh, Fletcher the other day. You had what? <laughs> down in bed i think that's lane yes yes good fletcher <laughs> ross we've trained him well yes, thank you. That, I, I did i did learn that from one from that one of those past episodes where we talked about this and just quickly uh, again just to keep this fairly brief um one of the big reasons i think that this is so confusing is that the past tense of lie is lay so you can say i yes. lay, i lay down if you mean it in the past mm-hmm. yes and so, and that, i mean so that adds that extra layer of confusion um, people are saying i lay down and and it you know it may or may not be grammatically correct and Fletcher now when you're reclining on the bed and I say Fletcher what are you doing you say I'm lying down yes I'm laying down is extremely I heard it oddly enough last night on uh some Brit it's a really kind of good uh, British uh mist murder mystery thank you for the aside Ross get to the point <laughs> yeah, <that's really> <laughs> But he said, I'm laying down, which immediately bothered me. But now, see, I hear that constantly now. I've got to say, I think I hear laying down. I'd say it's a 50-50 split. I really do. I I hear laying down constantly. Yeah, I hear it all the time. Do you guys correct it? I don't. Nah, I don't. No. No, No, I don't. And I think to some degree, the words are are beginning to merge. That said, when I do hear it, it grates on me. I can't help it. Even when Mm -hmm. I hear myself doing it, it's a joke. I notice it, but it's sort of like noticing farther versus further. You know, it's one of those things that's so, Mm -hmm. it's so far gone by now that you're like, seriously, who cares? I agree. I think the first one that's going to go is Lane. Oh, yeah. The past participle. I don't think you hear you don't hear Lane that often already. You no, really don't. No. That's going to go first, then I think the rest will. Well, I'm not lying when I say I think we did a good job on this. <laughs> I think we should <laughs> lay it aside, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> That's another problem, though, because the lie becomes another verb, obviously, yeah. is in uh, telling a falsehood as well, which I'm not sure that makes much of a confusion because the past tense of lie is lied. So. so then maybe we should add lay to the concept of telling a falsehood. Just out of curiosity. <laughs> I mean, if you had, if you had lied in the past, you should, you would had lane. In the past. <laughs> <laughs> We're onto something here, kids. Okay. So shall we move on to the return of let's confuse Fletcher? Oh, good. Yeah, always, always my favorite way to, to start a morning, I think. Yeah. And here's a great way to begin. Like, this is a real easy one, Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
Actually, I don't think this one is going to be tough, Fletcher, honestly. And it's not being the first one. We, we noticed it a couple of times in uh, various sources, so we included it. But both of us thought maybe this one probably you'll quickly know. Difference between imperious and imperial. Um, okay. Uh, imperious seems like um, one who's uh, sort of lording their power over people over people and imperial uh i guess is just having having that power that's good yeah it, it basically imperial is relating to an emperor yeah an empress and you know whatever an empire which you know imperial whatever yeah that's fine but that leads to another one which does seem to be much more common in terms of uh, confusion the difference between regal and royal Oh, interesting. That was I thought that was an interesting one as well. Well, the only the only time I'd ever use regal is when I'm talking about um sort of the the feeling that you get um like uh, something is very regal it it's stately it's it's got the pomp and the circumstance maybe um but but royal is is refers to a, a royal i mean like like one who's the status yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah the actual status whereas yeah regal is more like the tone the feeling i guess yeah I, I, that's actually yeah. you you did that well because yeah really what it is is it's royal is is the part being part of the monarchy it's having the yeah being part of the whole shebang mm-hmm. whereas regal is resembling it or having that 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 feeling of it so it's not it, it's much more regal is is dignified is is kathy has said worthy of being it's magnificent mm-hmm. i think as an example we could say that prince andrew is royal <laughs> but not regal uh-huh. <laughs> you could say many things about prince andrew yeah <laughs> whereas my cat's tail is regal but not royal Yes. Right. You guys haven't seen my cat, but but he he does have a majestic regal tail. It's beautiful. <laughs> my Casper had a good tail oh. too. <laughs> but royal is just basically being associated with a king or a queen or royal royalty without implying anything good about it. Whereas regal has that dignity and magnificence theoretically of royalty or what seems to be. Yeah, regal I always picture someone with a straight back. Do you know what I mean? I always picture someone with great posture and possibly velvet, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The next one then is really interesting. And Fletcher, you're going to get this in effect wrong. (laughs) <laughs> Even if you get it right. Isn't that a wonderful <laughs> wow. you That's guys, a great yeah, summation, Roy. You guys really have rigged this game against me, haven't you? <laughs> well, you keep doing so well, you know? Come on now. Okay. Majority Fletcher versus plurality. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a trick here. There is. You know? a, We're yeah. going to go into that. Um, I'm pretty sure that majority means you actually have to be over 50 percent 50 plus one basically is is how people commonly say it plurality is is that you have the the most so you could have um you you could win 36 percent to 27 percent to 15 percent to whatever percent and the 36 percent is the plurality you have the most so you've won but you don't actually have the majority that's very nice and that's where the that's where you're right, and you're also. And that's where you're wrong. <laughs> no, that's the trick question part about this, because I immediately would have answered, uh, as did Kathy, what you just said. Right. That seems to be, that's what we know. And why do we say that difference? Because we come from a certain place. 
It's a big place. It's called Earth? America, the United States. <laughs> oh, Earth. Small, yeah. Smaller, Kathy, smaller. Yeah. Actually, big. Earthling is a good one, too. Okay, we didn't, I, I really, we both didn't realize this, that in England, the idea of majority being greater than 50, uh, you know, greater than 50% and a plurality uh, being, um just you the know, most uh, yeah. less than 50% but greater the greater number is basically an american distinction in huh. england no i don't we read this so uh, we're going to probably get all these english people now saying that's not true but according to what we read in english plurality it can be used as more than half of a whole as well but it's it's distinctly in voting particularly in america in the states it has that distinction that Fletch, fletcher meant but technically, it can be uh, basically a majority as well, which we did not realize. That makes sense, mm -hmm. though. I mean, if plurality to me just means mo the most, right? So you could have 60% six mm -hmm. of the vote and you have the majority and the plurality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, but that obviously, distinction... yeah, we never see it used that way here because we say majority when when it's the majority and we say plurality when it's not right but i didn't know yeah i certainly didn't know that they use plurality either way yeah apparently probably not for voting but it can be generally used just to mean obviously the state of being plural you know which yeah. is plurality but i basically would have stuck with that i think we both were all as americans we always read you know news about uh right. voting so we just so it sticks with me i would never use plurality as a majority i would always say majority then it's funny. I, I'm, I'm going to tangent for a second, and this is this is just a personal tangent. I'm not a numbers person at all. I'm I'm all about words. I've got like fiction. Blah, blah, blah. The minute you guys start talking about plurality, majority, my my brain starts going la 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 yeah. la, 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 la la la. You know what? I, mm -hmm. It does, and and it's horrible to say. And I realize I've never really thought about these words because it's numbers, and I don't care. You know what I mean? Which is a horrible thing to admit, but it's a fact. You know what? I'll tell you what. Just regarding these two words, if we're talking about voting and vote share i'm gonna use i'm gonna distinguish between the two i'm gonna you mm. know say majority if it's over 50 i'm gonna say plurality mm -hmm. if it's not mm -hmm. but if we're not talking about voting i'm pretty much always gonna use majority it's just what yeah. it's just what i say mm -hmm. yeah me too i'm not gonna think about yep. whether it's actually technically ha more than half uh, it's just if they have the most no. it's the majority right no i agree with you I, I don't think i would ever use plurality i don't think i ever have really outside of an election i don't think i've ever used it in my in my in normal in conversation ever yeah. i really don't i i cannot remember my 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 mouth ever saying plurality oh i have but it's always talking about elections yeah i wonder i wonder how often it's any anybody i mean you know certainly there are a lot of um language lovers uh who who do use words like that but but i i'm curious how often it really is used in casual conversation i wonder if it's really Plurality. I wonder if at this point it's really kind of just a technical term used for, yeah. you know, for for elections and voting. I suspect, actually, it really seems that way to me. I'm actually curious now. I'm, I'm going to check. I know I'm doing the same thing, Ross. I'm looking up stuff right now. I was going to check the corpus of English usage. Yeah, because that I I really think I would only use that. I would never use that as in a multitude or anything like that. The OED has a number of times a plurality of China, plurality of di directorships, the Financial Times. Now, see, I would never say that. Uh, I would never talk about directorships because I'm not a uh, board yeah, chairman. Level, I mean, maybe you, if you were writing for the Financial Times, you might say something like that. 
Yeah, maybe I would use it there. I don't know. I'm just looking right now. Corpus of Contemporary American English. It's all over blogs, science blogs, free thought blogs, all these word reason.com, daily cause. And this is not about voters. This is a plurality of college aged readers. Well, again, but that's still like polling, right? Yeah, yeah, they're pretty much all that. I don't like it. Uh, I don't know. No, the OED puts the plurality, like as we as we spoke of, as basically chiefly and originally U.S. Mm. when it means the largest share of the vote. When this is less than an absolute majority, I think this is a little bit different from what we were saying, though, because here you're you're looking at things that people have written, and I'm sure there are there are plenty of areas that that the three of us. Uh, don't typically read in where people mm. are using plurality. I, I think I and you were were talking more about just conversation. You know, it, mm. it, I mean, we're, we at least the three of us. And again, this this is just us. We're we're way more likely just to say majority when we're not talking yeah. about polling or voting. And I think I think that's really what what we were getting at. Yeah, and I think if and if there were a lot, if there was a there was a true plurality outside of one, I would say a lot. There yeah. were, gosh, there were yeah. a lot of people. Right. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to be counting them. So. Oh, shall we? Let's move on. But Fletcher, if you don't get this, I'll be shocked and, and oh, cool. upset, frankly. Oh, cool. Very Great. upset. Okay. Noted versus notorious. Uh, um, yeah, well, I mean, noted, I think, can mean a, a number of different things. But uh, notorious it has a very negative connotation. Noted less so i i mean noted i think could either be neutral or even a little positive mm-hmm. but i i do think that distinction because we were doing a book i forgot which book it was and we found a number of times when people uh, it was a surgeon i thought which was awful they had our surgeon is notorious for <laughs> yeah that's bad why that's bad why would you do that <laughs> yeah and it was an ad you know like and i i mean i i I blanch. I wouldn't go to that surgeon. And they, they were praising the surgeon. I mean, they were yeah, not. Of course. And I think distinctions like that, you know, we were talking before, like about, you know, how languages, how words emerge and all that. But this is a case where inadvertently they must have turned off more than just more than just Kathy and me. But like, I, I mean, I think instinctively I would never go to that surgeon. Yeah. Mm. So, I, I mean, the word, Words and meanings do count sometimes. Yes. And here we have an example again of pejoration. We've done this before. I mean, Notorious initially um, came into English in what, the latter 1200s, I think. And it initially, yeah. it just meant well known. But it, it, it took on the negative, and now Notorious is like, ooh, no, well known for the wrong reasons as opposed to mm-hmm. well known, like, oh, great. And I think that's a distinction that, that I think it'd be good for people to be aware of, even if they're beginning to, even if it, begins to go backwards i don't think notorious is though notorious to me clearly means you're noted for being bad or something i mean it's not yeah a good I, re- word, I, don't think. I remember when you found that example ross and i was stunned because i actually wouldn't have expected to find any example of notorious being used in the <laughs> in the positive sense you know yeah i'm certainly not going to a notorious <laughs> surgeon to get my idea <laughs> yeah and i think for people you know who who maybe get a little upset with us being so um, flexible uh, often with language. Uh, I th- I think here's a good example, as you said, of a time when it does matter. You know, it it's it, notorious is bad now, whether whether it mm-hmm. began that way or not. And so this is not a case where it's okay to use either word. Mm-mm. No, I was wondering if that surgeon was. Gee, but no one ever comes to my clinic. They <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Right. laughs> 
Okay, should we go on? This is a very nitpicky one, but I, this is one that I actually liked. What's the difference, Fletcher, between passionate and impassioned? It's a very nitpicky. Right. L- l- let me think for just a minute. I'm trying to think about when I would use each word. Oof. Uh, it's kind of like, I mean, I so I, I would say that, well, maybe I wouldn't. I was going to say I would say that I am passionate and maybe I make an impassioned argument, right? I inject the passion into the argument. But I'm, but I'm thinking now that I could also say that it, that I've made a passionate argument. No, I don't think I would. I think I would say I made an impassioned argument, and because I personally was passionate. But I, but I don't know. I, I yeah, maybe, maybe this is nitpicky, and I'd like to know because because I think I would use either of those words. But I, at this point, I'd like to know uh, when I'm using them correctly. So tell me. Okay. They're, they overlap. There's no question. They both have the word passion in it, so like that, that pretty much is the good clue. Passionate implies um, a little more emotion. It, it uh, often vi- like a violent or a vehement sort of expression of passion, whereas impassioned has the the intense feeling, but it's it's and the so you've got the intensity, but you don't have the necessarily the violent aspect of it. Hmm. I, unlike Kathy, I really disliked this one. I think the I mean, you can have a pa- the the violence aspect in particular. Passion implies great vehemence and often violence, but I think that often violence sort of I think takes away from like a passionate love affair. Hopefully, doesn't imply violence. It only implies uh, vehemence. So I I really think they're far more overlapped than these dictionary definitions. Uh, imply to me mm-hmm. I actually liked Fletcher's difference better than what you see but I yeah, think the impassion I, I, oddly enough I because to me impassion is like you're doing it passionate is the you do you know I, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing you Fletcher you said it a lot better than I just did that's pretty much right um, I mean in terms of how I would use it it's not it's not exactly what I necessarily thought the definitions were I was just trying to think about when I would use each how word. you would do it yeah. yeah I agree with you on that the other thing I want to add though and I do agree with this is more often than not passionate often is is more romantic sexual whereas impassioned is is a little more you know although you can say I'm passionate about music I don't know sure I, I yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't think the distinction is very useful at this point. Okay, let's I think check it's it. a, but, that, but I think that's also interesting because we had noted and notorious was an extremely uh, I we thought we all agreed was a very vital distinction. I think impassioned and passionate should be left to basically pedants or what sounds right to the ear right then and there. Yeah, you know what? Though I still want to say that I probably would still use the word impassioned. Like I kind of like the word you know, and mm-hmm. I would I would probably use it the way I described earlier, um, and, and and maybe that is less less involved with a distinction uh, and more just the fact that mm-hmm. I I kind of want to keep the word around whether I'm using it correctly or not. Mm-hmm. So I you know I wouldn't feel good if if we just started using passionate for everything. I still like the word impassioned. But I don't think you'd feel bad if someone used passionate where you would have used impassioned. Yeah, no, I, 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 I wouldn't point. even, I probably wouldn't even notice. Had, had spe- no, especially had we either. not had this conversation. I don't think I ever would have thought about it. Yeah, no, I, I still like Fletcher's difference though. Cause I'm thinking that's how I would make, for me, if I were using these words, I, I, I think, yeah, I, I would use impassioned at certain times and passionate at other times and, and, the twain doesn't really meet for me often yeah. with the two. Yeah. Okay. This is another one with a with a sometimes subtle distinction. 
But I think this one's more important than the impassioned passionate. Revenge and avenge. Okay, so it, now I want to I want to say this has nothing to do with the Marvel characters, the Avengers, because I felt this. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> well, I, I, what I mean is I, I felt for me I felt this difference uh, a lot longer than than knowing about the Avengers. And again, I don't know if this is right, but revenge is when you. Sorry to be kind of tautological, but revenge is when you take vengeance on somebody for a perceived wrong, I guess, mm-hmm. whether, whether mm-hmm. you know, a, 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 avenging something, avenging someone is when there has been a definite wrong and you are doing good by by taking vengeance for that. Um, you, you, you are you are. That's hard to say. Revenge, revenge is could could be much more uh, negative than avenging. Avenging seems like a noble pursuit. You actually very got nice. It. I think done. the Avengers was and the Avengers was perfect using the Marvel comic. Avengers was perfect because mm-hmm. avenging is to see justice done by punishing something that was done wrong, and you're now seeing justice is done. You're avenging the injustice. Revenge, you're going, I'm going to get you yeah. <laughs> for doing something. Right, you you did something, I'm going to get you for that. Yeah, exactly. Revenge is not nice, avenge is justice. Right. And that's the key difference. I would like to say revenge, I know you're inflicting harm with revenge, but revenge theoretically can be justice. I just want to say, it could be. Yeah, but the ba- I agree with you, but the basic meaning was, I would say the Avengers are avenging wrong. I would not say... The Avengers. The Revengers. Yeah. Yeah. I would never say the Revengers. No. What's that saying? When you take revenge on someone, you dig two graves. Isn't that it? Yeah. You wouldn't say that about avenging. No. No. Because avenging, you're doing like truth, justice in the American way, in effect. Yeah. Right. Although that's not Marvel. (laughs) Yeah. It was supposedly. Actually, I just looked it up. It was supposedly Confucian. Seek revenge and you should dig two graves. Right. One for yourself. Yeah, but you would Confucius never would have said that about avenging, so right. we can confidently <laughs> say that. Okay, we're actually really getting late here. Do you want to do theory hypothesis as the last one? That's always a really interesting one. Oh yeah. The difference between a theory and a hypothesis. Are we talking scientifically? That's the problem. <laughs> we're talking in general. Well, we're not really, Russ. We're talking scientifically. All right. Yeah. So, well, scientifically, a, a, a theory is, um, I mean, it's it's pretty solid. It's not just conjecture about something. Um, and, a, and a hypothesis, if you're running an experiment, I think it's it's uh, your, I don't want to say assumption, but I, I will, your assumption about what's going to happen. You know, I, my, my, my hypothesis, if, if I drop this pencil, my hypothesis is that it will uh, fall to the ground. And now now mm-hmm. that, that's really basic. And, of course, we know about the law of gravity. And don't even bring in laws. Um, <laughs> but, 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 you know, that, that's if I'm running an experiment. And then the theory uh, it has uh, a lot more solid basis uh, of research and, and a, a built framework regarding it you know your stuff that you're absolutely right Mm -hmm. and that it it, non-scientifically people always think a theory is a guess right which is more like a hypothesis but you're right scientifically a theory is something that has they they've been questioned they've been tested there have been attempts to refute the, the theory but they still are there so they're there's something that's like that's a thought that survived testing and that's where we get to when we opened it you said is this for science or is this in general mm-hmm. 
and Kathy said science and I said in general, and, and <laughs> they were both correct. No, but, but here we are, because I think the key thing here is now the science has invaded the public sphere. And so we'll hear things like we, you know, uh, that's just a theory when some scientist talks about something, I don't, you know, evolution, that's just a theory that will be derided by uh, various individuals. And, you know, I'm not going to argue evolution, uh, the, the, the mechanics behind evolution or the truth or, or not about evolution. But the point is saying it's just a theory is in essence, you know, they go, oh, look, it says evolutionary theory. It doesn't say proof. But virtually everything in science really is a theory because we're, we're testing what happens. We have I mean, relativity is a theory. The Big mm -hmm. Bang is a theory. Quantum mechanics is a theory. They're all scientific concepts that have been rigorously tested and sometimes are found wrong eventually. But the idea of just a theory, that's not a good way to argue against something because a theory is in science is something that's tested. I got to say, this is my, speaking of which, I love this quote by an astrophysicist who said, the problem with the phrase, just a theory, is that it implies a real scientific theory is a small thing. And it isn't. It's like, yeah, you got it, baby. It isn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, theories have been out there. They're tested constantly, and that's the whole point. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you could argue against something like that, but you can't argue it on, oh, it's just a theory. Is this the point where I should explain why I think the Earth is flat? I have a theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. You're Saying It Wrong is a worldwide affair. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or better yet, a review on your podcast platform of choice. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.